Well, let me add my welcome to everyone today here in the room at Coral Gables. All of those joining us online, great to be with you. Welcome to you. And I want to give a special welcome to someone that we all know joining us online right now, Pastor Bill on study leave. We give you our greetings wherever you might be right now. We pray that you come back rejuvenated and ready to go in a couple of weeks. So we'll look forward to seeing you then. In 2015, January 2015, two men dared to defy gravity together. Two men dared to defy gravity. American rock climbers, Tommy Caldwell and Kevin, Kevin Jorgensen, took on the great challenge of climbing for the very first time the Don Wall of El Capitan in Yosemite Valley. What a beautiful picture. The Don Wall is the left side face that sees the sunrise first every single morning. And prior to those two guys climbing this wall, no human being had ever climbed any part of that face in its entirety until 2015. All the way back in 2008, Tommy Caldwell, the greatest living free climber alive, saw the possibilities of the impossible in that wall. And for two years, he attempted on his own to find a route up that wall that could be climbed. But on his own, he realized that he couldn't do it. And so he invited the much younger, much more tenacious, very, very skilled climber, but much less experienced climber, Kevin Jorgensen, to help him. And for the next four years together, they found a route and they devised a plan to climb the wall in one continuous push from beginning to end, which meant that for the whole time that they were climbing that wall, they lived on this right here, called a portalage. Now, some of you are thinking, man, sign me up. I'm ready. I'm ready to, I'm ready to climb. I'm ready to hit up a portalage. I'm ready for the adventure, yeah? Who's with me? Anyone ready? Yeah, I see a few. Most of us are like uh, living 1,500 feet suspended on a cot, essentially. Uh, never mind. I mean, just imagine how they use the bathroom on that thing. How do you use the bathroom on a porta ledge? You know, I mean, it's not like there's a porta potty on there, so I don't know how that happens. But anyhow, their, their documentary, I want to highly encourage this documentary to you, The Dawn Wall released in 2018, shares their whole story. But just a glimpse of their story in preparation for, for their climb, Tommy was able to complete every single one of the 32 pitches that they devised on, on the route. But Kevin completed every pitch except for pitch 15. So in four years of devising and discovering and planning and practicing, Kevin couldn't get past pitch 15. He could do all the other pitches except pitch 15. The holds are so sheer that unless you just get them just right, you, I mean, it's just, it's, it's almost impossible. And so on the way up, they're leapfrogging each other, blaming each other. Everything is going just fine for the first few days until they reach pitch 15. And lo and behold, Kevin gets stuck. He can't complete it. He keeps falling off and falling off. And so for days, Kevin attempts I don't know, dozens of attempts to complete pitch 15. And Tommy eventually reaches a breaking point where he must decide, do I stay on the wall with Kevin who might not ever complete this pitch or do I keep going? Because every day that they stay living on that portal edge is another day where they experience the threat of illness, the threat of injury, 
and the possibility of not finishing this climb. And so Tommy decides that he must go on. So he goes for a couple more pitches. Every pitch he makes gets him further and further, higher away from Kevin, stuck on pitch 15. And finally, Tommy reaches pitch 19, the last of the hardest pitches. And so for us, it would, it's all impossible, right? But for Tommy, it's all smooth sailing from there after pitch 19. And he reaches the top of pitch 19, and he says this, an interviewer on his support team asks him, Tommy, how do you feel, man? You did it. You reached pitch 19. Like, you got it from here. You're going you're gonna to make it. You're going to make the climb. And with tears in his eyes, Tommy says this, I want Kevin to experience this too. I'm going to do everything I can to help Kevin. He continued, it was a huge victory to reach pitch 19, but totally trumped by the fact that Kevin wasn't going to finish with me. And suddenly Tommy says, I felt alone. And I think Kevin probably felt alone too. So Tommy says, in that moment, I decided that we were going to reach the top together. Kevin needed Tommy to finish pitch 15. He couldn't do it on his own. But as his mentor, Tommy realized that he needed Kevin to finish the dream, to finish this multi-year dream of doing the impossible. So he went back down the wall, four pitches, over 500 feet, and against the advice of literally everyone on his support team, Tommy committed to remain by Kevin's side until he got through the impossible pitch. After 19 days of living on the portalage, and after several days of Kevin making attempt after attempt after attempt, he finally got past pitch 15, and 19 days of living on the wall, they finally reached the summit. It's an amazing story. I highly commit it to all of you to watch it. They defied gravity for 19 days. But the power of Tommy's four-year relationship with Kevin defied the gravitational pull of impossibility, at least for Kevin. They defied gravity together, these guys. Without a doubt, if Tommy had not risked his own dream and his own reputation to go back down the wall to assist Kevin, then Kevin would have never reached the summit. For sure would have never reached the summit. Tommy modeled, in his act of going back down, he modeled humble servant heart of love to this guy. To this guy who became his brother, to this guy who shared the bond of this dream that originally belonged to Tommy. And by figuratively and literally lowering himself down on this wall, Tommy set aside his own rights and privileges as the better climber, as the renowned climber, as the climber that everyone saw as the one who was going to beat the dawn wall. And he set that all aside to help this kid. That he was not only mentoring, but this kid who was also helping him accomplish and achieve the impossible. Last week, we learned that cultivating the kingdom begins with modeling what you know. Actions shape 
our beliefs. They speak louder than words. Behaviors follow our beliefs. Jesus modeled in John chapters 12 and 13 that the lower you make yourself, the higher you grow. The higher you grow. In fact, some seeds, when you plant them down in the soil deep enough, deeper and deeper below the surface, the deeper their roots spread and the higher they're able to soar. Today we're taking kingdom leadership to the next level today. You guys ready? We're going to the next level today. By modeling what you believe through mentorship. Mentorship. Mentors demonstrate that the lower you make yourself for someone else, then the higher we grow. The higher the forest rises together. In John chapters 12 and 13, Jesus taught this. Those who care nothing for their life in this world, those who make themselves lower for the sake of others, will keep their lives for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Blessing comes to those who serve the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean making yourself a doormat to other people. That's not what Jesus is saying here. But Jesus is saying that the lower that we bring down the walls of our pride, the lower that we bring down our selfishness, the more of Jesus grows in you, the more of his spirit comes alive in you. Which reminds me of what John the Baptist said in John 3.30, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. That's humility. That's the definition of humility. It's like a balloon. Like the, low, the more we release ourselves from the balloon, the more we're able to fill it with Jesus' spirit. Now, I can imagine as you hear this, you might be thinking, as I think at times, well, people don't deserve that. <laughs> people don't deserve my love. People don't deserve my grace and humility. Come on. I mean, some people actually deserve me to kind of give them a stiff arm. But neither did we deserve it when Jesus gave us his humility. When Jesus gave us his gracious gift of salvation on the cross, we didn't deserve that. We, we don't love because other people deserve it. Instead, we love because Jesus first loved us. That's the motivator. That's the motivator for us. His love is grace. And when it leads the way in us, we're able to love others and cultivate God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and see Jesus' prayer in Matthew chapter 6 come to life with every kingdom step that we make in this life. Amen? Now, as we continue through our series, Cultivating the Kingdom, no other passages in the gospel so clearly record Jesus' mentorship so intimately, so personally, than John chapters 14 through 17, known as the farewell discourses. We won't have time to unpack all four of these chapters today, so let me encourage you to go home this week, read them for yourself. It'll take you 10 minutes, but you could literally spend your whole lifetime <laughs> In these four chapters, chapter 17 by itself is Jesus' prayer for you. And when I say you, I literally mean all of you. All of you who believe. Jesus prayed a specific prayer for you in all of John chapter 17. Really want to encourage you to read it this week. Today we're going to look at only John chapter 14. And John opens this chapter with a very difficult statement to understand. His disciples at the time, they knew that Jesus was preparing to leave for somewhere, 
They weren't entirely sure where. They didn't know how long he would be gone. They didn't know if he would come back. They didn't know if he would die. And so you can imagine they felt pretty stressed about this. They gave their lives for the last three years to follow this man. But they didn't know what was about to happen over the next couple of days. And so the rest of John 14 shows three disciples asking follow-up questions to the difficult statement that Jesus opens with in the beginning. First, from Thomas, also known as Doubting Thomas. Second, from Philip. And third, from a disciple named Judas. Not the same Judas who betrayed him, but another disciple named Judas. And the way that Jesus responds to each one of their three questions demonstrates kingdom mentorship. Kingdom mentorship. The characteristics of what it looks like to lead others in the way of the kingdom. So let's begin with John chapter 14. Jesus opens the chapter with this difficult saying, saying this, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus assured them in this verse that whatever happened next, wherever he would be going, and however the disciples might be feeling this experience, that Jesus would be back. Jesus wouldn't forget them. Jesus would always remember them and that he wouldn't abandon them. Amen? This is a promise that we can take with us today. That no matter what we experience in this life, that Jesus always promises to remain right by our side. These words are often shared at funerals. I've shared these words at funerals and they're fitting because death reminds us that we can't see the way forward in this life. We, we don't we don't know the way forward. We, we tend to get lost. We're limited by our own finite bodies and knowledge. We're limited by our sin. We, we don't know the way. And so Thomas asked, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus responds by saying this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him because you have seen me and you know me, Jesus says. Here Jesus models the first principle in kingdom mentorship, and it is this, clarity. Clarity. Mentors clear the way for understanding. They alleviate confusion. Remove obstacles from understanding to help others take their next step. Jesus doesn't mince words in this verse. Jesus mentored the clearest direction possible to the Father for all people through himself. Nowadays, when I hear people criticize Christianity, I hear this verse as a way that people criticize Christianity for Jesus being or at least saying the height of personal arrogance. How, how could you, how could you say that you alone, that you by yourself are the way? How, how could you say that everyone must come through you to come to the Father? Isn't that the height of modern arrogance, right? To which I would respond by saying this, well, what did Jesus model? What literally did Jesus model a few minutes before this conversation took place in John chapter 14? He modeled taking off his robe. 
bending down and washing the feet of these 12 men and then drying their feet with the towel that he had around his waist. That's what Jesus modeled. Jesus modeled humble servant, heart of love. So is Jesus, is Jesus exhibiting the height, of, the height of arrogance in this statement? Or could Jesus be modeling the most radically clear way home to the Father? <laughs> because here's, here's also the truth, that all of us are looking for a way home, right? We're all looking for a way home. We all know someone looking for a way home, looking for a way to a deeper understanding of themselves, a, a, a deeper understanding of life beyond this life. And we see that manifest in all different kinds of ways. And Jesus is here saying, I am the way. And my life, my sacrifice, and what he ends up doing on the cross is for everyone to find their way home through me. Follow me. I'm making it clear. Here Jesus models how good mentors seek to bridge the gap of understanding. Now, this may not always be possible in your mentorship for others, especially for those who, who may not be open to listening. But wisdom knows when to walk away, and wisdom also knows when to give a clear, direct answer, a clear, focused opportunity for someone to take their next step in understanding. Sometimes the most honest and caring thing that a mentor could say so if you have children or if you have someone in your life that, that you're attempting to influence, sometimes the most honest thing that you can say in response is, I don't know. I don't know, but let me find out. Let me find a time to get back to you. Or I don't know. That's one of the great mysteries of this life. And so let's enter into it together. Let's keep the conversation open together. Next, the disciple Philip, in response to what Jesus said in the beginning of this chapter, asks this question. He says, Lord, show us the Father just show it to, show them to us, and that will be enough for us. Which if I was there in that circle and engaging in the conversation, that would lead me to say, bro, where have you been in this conversation? Where, where, where's your mind been? Did you just wake up to, to the conversation happening in front of us here? Because Jesus has been trying to tell you how to understand the Father. But listen here, Jesus doesn't chastise Philip for asking this question. Rather, Jesus reframes Philip's question back to him and says this, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who sees me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? Here Jesus models the second principle of mentorship, and that is discovery discovery. Good mentors know when to help someone make the connection on their own. How to help discover new insights and connections for themselves. A mentor who blindly answers every single question asked of them, that's, that person's more like a Google search bar than a mentor. And Jesus here is not a Google search bar. He does not blindly dispense the data whenever anyone asks it of him. In fact, a lot of times what Jesus says in the Gospels can be really confusing. And so Jesus isn't seeking to grow your knowledge through a Q&A conversation. He's seeking to transform you, to transform you from the inside out. And sometimes what that, what that entails is reframing back to you some of your questions, some of your ideas so that you can make those connections on your own. 
so that you can discover the transformation happening from within. He's not a Google search. Jesus is the incarnate son of the living God who says, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. Watch me, Jesus says. Look at me. Look at the fruit of my labor. Examine what my behaviors model about the Father. For if you want to know the Father, Jesus says, look at me. Watch me. Know me. See me. Follow me. The greatest mentors I know lived their message and invited others to discover the meaning on their own. The greatest mentors in my life oftentimes would look at me when I asked them questions and would just smile. <laughs> like, the answer is in you. You need to discover it. And you need to search in yourself and trust the Spirit to lead you. That's the difference between a Q&A session and transformation. Jesus doesn't want to answer your questions to increase your knowledge. He wants to transform you. Mentors who desire to cultivate the kingdom in others offer the opportunity for transformation through discovery, leading Jesus to then say, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. If you've heard that verse said before, this is how Jesus speaks it in context. Because I am going to the Father. We can only do even greater things than these when we allow the discovery of God's spirit to lead us. Do you even believe that you could do even greater things than these? I mean, I think most would would probably say, oh my gosh. I mean, I don't believe that I could do anything greater than Jesus. I mean, Jesus, Jesus did so many things that were just incomprehensible by themselves. How could I possibly engage with that? But discovery leads to a transformed life to the Father from whom all blessings flow. So don't count yourself out if you feel wayward or if you feel lost. Instead, I want to call us to raise our expectations. I want to call us to read these words of Jesus himself and ask the question, do I believe in what Jesus said? Do I believe, do I believe that with the spirit alive in me, truly, that I could do even greater things than him, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that impacts the world and sees lives changed in the same way that he did when he walked this earth? Do you really believe that? Jesus said it. So I think instead of doubting it, maybe we need to raise our expectations together. Because there's more in you, there's more in me, there's more in us together than we can see in ourselves. As one body, one church, the Apostle Paul said, for I could do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Kingdom building mentors help others discover the depths of their possibility and the depths of their power made alive in them through the Spirit. The lower you make yourself, the higher we grow. The higher we grow. There are heights in every single one of you yet to be explored, yet to be discovered until we are willing to make ourselves lower, are willing to serve, are willing to invite others to help us and lead us as we seek to also do the same for others. So the question is, do you have a mentor? Do you have a mentor? Are you a mentor? Are you helping somebody else? Kingdom mentors 
help others discover what they may think is impossible, but in reality is so much closer than what we think, right? Then last, Judas, the final disciple of the three, asked the question, but Lord, why, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Why us, Judas asks. Why not reveal yourself to everybody all at once? Let's get this over with. Show your glory, Jesus. That's the, that's the mandate behind Judas's question. And Jesus replies by saying this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus wants to take up residence in your heart. He wants to transform you all the way deep. And he continues saying, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Here, Jesus models the third principle of kingdom mentorship, which is this, empowerment. Empowerment, clarity, discovery, empowerment. Clarity, discovery, empowerment. And as Jesus makes his home in your heart, he invites us to participate in his world-changing movement together by empowering us through the gift of his spirit, the advocate, who helps, who teaches, who makes known to us what Jesus taught. And so rather than Jesus waving a magic wand over everybody and saying, hey, the whole world is saved, Jesus would rather empower you. By waving a magic wand, Jesus would be disempowering you. But Jesus would rather see the spirit, his spirit come alive in you and watch you grow and watch you become transformed into his likeness with his maturity in you so that you might help others do the very same thing and see that transformation go organic, go viral around the world. All good mentors know that beliefs don't become behaviors until they're modeled for somebody else. That's how knowledge takes root. Hence why Jesus sends us into the world with the power of his spirit to guide us, providing us with knowledge, especially as we grow in our own personal devotion in God's word, in small groups, in worship, in the, in the teaching through the message to give us everything we need to endure whatever hardship might come our way. Jesus knew that this life, which is so much better <laughs> than any life that we could possibly imagine, Jesus knew that though this life would be so much richer, so much better, that ultimately it's a harder life. It's harder to go low so that we might grow high. And so Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Letting someone help you grow or taking the risk to help someone else grow is hard. It risks something in you. Just in the same way that Jesus risked to love us, it, it takes risk in us to love someone else. And Jesus fully demonstrated that and gives us his peace removes all fear. So are you willing to grow? Are you willing to grow? Are you willing to help others grow? My good friend Genesis 
chose to own her own growth and help others grow by joining the production team. And I want to share her story with you now. Take a look. Hi, I'm Genesis. I've been serving in production for seven years. Production is such a great place for anybody to serve. Even if you're thinking serving might not be for you, this is an environment behind the scenes where you can still serve God at your own pace. One day I was sitting at church and I started to take notice of the lights and the slides and the music and all that stuff that's sort of behind the scenes. And I said, you know what, I, I could do that. I can serve in that way and seek ways to make it even better. I'm kind of a loner. I prefer the company of myself. And being a part of the production team has been a new experience where I actually like to hang out with church people and grow with them and do Bible studies together and connect. And that's been a really big growth in my life is to have that connection where even in the pandemic, I still felt connected to the church away. I've trained several people and I have seen God move through the training, through serving in their lives where maybe they were doubting before, now they come back to church and they hear the service and they hear it again and they hear God's word and they connect in a new way where they never thought they had community, they came to find it in our production team and that's beautiful. There's no mincing words about it. God is inviting you to come and serve at his church for his people. So where you choose to do that, he's going to grow you no matter what. So come and be a part of it. Come and be a part of his church and his work and help other people find and follow Christ. Amen. Amen. What a great story. And did you hear Genesis say that when she first joined the team, that others invested into her, she experienced community and friendship, and then she surprisingly found herself training up others, bringing other people onto the team, experiencing community and fellowship with them as they together help other people find and follow Jesus, and on and on and on the message goes. And so today, let me encourage you to cultivate kingdom leadership within your own life by identifying three mentors in the following three spaces. The first is a distant mentor. Everyone needs a mentor, and we can all be a mentor. And so let me encourage you to find one first in a distant mentor. A distant mentor may not be someone, probably won't ever be someone that you know or may ever meet. This person might live elsewhere in the country or maybe in another nation, but they provide insights into the competencies in which you want to develop maybe through books, podcasts, or other things. On the message notes today, if you download the Christ Journey app and click today's message and then click the message notes, all of the pastors have listed out some of our distant mentors that have nourished us and grown us along the way. And we want to commend that to you as a way to help you navigate whatever next pitch that you need to, that you need to overcome. And so we want to invite you to start there. All the pastors together, we collectively brought in our distant mentors and we listed them on the message notes app. Take a look at that. The next, I want to encourage you to find a mid-range mentor. 
A mid-range mentor might be someone who lives in your geographic vicinity. They might be someone who works in your company. If you work for a larger company, you have social access to them, but they probably won't ever get to know you personally. A social mentor might be a teacher, might be a leader in your company, and could also be a pastor here at your church. I want you to know that every pastor at Christ Journey Church wants to make themselves available to serve you as a mid-range mentor. So if you need help negotiating a pitch or maybe you're stuck on a pitch 15 in your spiritual life, we would love to sit with you. We would love to meet with you and hang with you for a bit to help provide some insight, maybe answer some questions, maybe help you discover some things about yourself that you just need someone else to help, help prod in you a little bit. Maybe you need someone to smile back at you the next time you ask a question to help you look inside and follow the prompting of the Spirit. We want to make ourselves available. Just simply go to mentor at christjourney.org. Mentor at christjourney.org. And our commitment to you is that we'll follow up within 48 hours on Next Step for you. A mid-range mentor is a wonderful way to get some sharpening, to get some insights but this person probably won't know you personally, which means that everybody, every single one of us, every person in this room needs a personal mentor. And for you, this will probably be a small group leader. Personal mentors are really hard to find in our society. They are really hard to find because they are either really, really expensive <laughs> or they're focused on a particular issue, like what you might find in AA sponsorship or in Big Brothers and Big Sisters, which is why small groups really, really matter for the life of our church. They really, really matter for the life of our church. Small group leaders are trained to know how to offer clarity, help others discover new insights, and empower those in their care to make themselves lower to grow higher. Small groups provide a place where leaders are equipped with quality. They're equipped to listen, and they're equipped to offer access and availability to a wide range of topics like family, faith, finance, and so much more. And so let me encourage you to consider finding a mentor or becoming a mentor at Christ's journey within the framework of small groups. At Christ Journey, we literally hang everything on small groups and serving teams because we believe in the life change that one can experience within that body. And so let me encourage you this summer to let us help you take a next step to find a small group, find a team like Genesis found in production so that you can begin the fall off right and you can take a next step toward growth toward achieving that next pitch, toward reaching the summit and to not staying stagnant or even sliding down further and further like Kevin did, just missing, missing the hold over and over again. We all need someone to help us grow. In fact, if you want to defy gravity, to make your life low, to grow high, all of us have the opportunity defy gravity together. I don't think Tommy would have ever found a route up the wall without Kevin. I just don't think he had it in him on his own, even though he was the far superior climber. 
A good mentor doesn't need to know everything. In fact, a great mentor knows what they don't know and is willing to grow. And so if you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't know what, I, I don't even know what I would offer to somebody. All you need to do is be a few yards to the head of the person behind you. That's all you need. And for some of you who are already doing this good work, who are already leading in various ways or have some people under your care, then let me give you a special unique charge. Find some more. Identify some more. Let's continue helping the community grow, helping the whole community defy gravity together as we all make ourselves lower to grow high. The Apostle Paul wrote to young Pastor Timothy, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's how we cultivate the kingdom. That's it. There's no secret sauce. There's no hidden agenda. This is it. It, it falls to us to find someone to help us grow so that we can help others. That's how we cultivate the kingdom. And as we do that, with every step that we take, we're stepping on kingdom ground together. <laughs> we're cultivating kingdom ground together. We'll help, we're helping everyone grow together. So let's dare to defy gravity together as one body, one church, by cultivating the kingdom through mentor leadership together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for not only modeling and teaching the way home to the Father, but Lord, by mentoring with your life, by taking our questions seriously, by giving us the gift of your word to help us grow, to help us learn together. Lord, there are places in your word that when we come to them, we, we get stuck. It becomes like a pitch 15 to us. We need each other. We need each other to help us grow. We need each other to walk into the mystery together. And so, Lord, help us stay connected. God, by the power of your spirit uniting us and alive in us, help us stay close and growing so that we might become a church that eventually multiplies, that sees other people find and follow you, that sees other people discover the salvation gift that we know. And so, Lord, give us the courage to model, give us the courage to mentor, give us the courage to take our next step of faith in you as we make this prayer in your name. Now, for anyone here today, who wants to take their next step of faith in Jesus. Maybe, maybe you've been questioning Jesus and maybe you've been sort of on the outside of Jesus, but now you want to make your first step with Jesus in relationship today for the very first time, then I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me specifically. Jesus, today I'm turning from my way to your way and I'm receiving your free gift of salvation for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm putting my life in your hands, Lord. I'm turning away from life on my own. And I want to go your way. I want to follow your way. And I want to do even greater things in your name. And so, Lord, lead me, help me as I make this prayer in you. Now, if you decided for the very first time today to accept Jesus into your life and to receive him for the forgiveness of your sins, then would you mind just putting your hand up in the air so that I can see you. I would love to say a prayer of blessing over you. 
And together as a church, we would love to honor you. Lord, we pray that as we take our next step together as a church, that you would strengthen us and encourage us. Lord, help us help others as we lead forward in your name. Amen.